Good morning, everyone. <laughs> morning. <laughs> morning. <laughs> good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? <laughs> you guys excited to be here? Are we awake? <laughs> morning. It's good. Hey, we have so many great things to celebrate by being here. I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time at Marine Valley Church, welcome. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're here with us in these moments together. Our time together matters. And this is significant because we're here together as God's people saying, yes, Jesus, we want what you have for us. We want the life that you've given us. We just sang some great things. Turn to the person next to you really quickly. I know we do this all the time, but you're just going to roll with it. Look them in the eye intently. Make sure you get the eye contact. None of that, like, you know, like, really see them. And just say, if you're not dead, and it sounds pretty dead, whoa, yeah, because obviously they're alive. Hopefully, if they're not, we have an emergency on our hands and the service is stopping. No, look them in the eye and say, if you're not dead, I need to hear it. If you're not dead, then he's not done. If you're not dead, then he's not done. Do you believe that this morning? If you have life in your body, if you've got blood coursing through your veins, if your heart is still pumping, that means there is a God that is still at work in your life until you see him face to face. There is work to be done for us as a church. There is work to be done for you as individuals. And we're in the middle of a series that I am praying that God uses to stir in our hearts, to wake us up to a new reality, to the very reality, the very truth that God is the real thing. And that if we're not dead, then he's not done. And we've got stuff to do. And we're going to be revitalized. So the series is called Revitalized. And we're hoping that God brings a new life and wakes up those limbs in us that have fallen asleep. Um, I like to think in pictures, so just roll with me on this one. But has anyone ever had a limb fall asleep on you? For some of you, it might be your tush right now. And you're just, it's okay. You can wiggle it out if you have to. It's the worst when something falls asleep and it just feels like, oh, I don't know what else to do. Has any of you ever fallen asleep and had one of your arms fall asleep? How about both your arms? Has, has anyone, just any, any, anyone else here? It is terrifying. If it's really happened to you, any, show of hands, I just want to know who's with it. Yeah, so if you, okay, so you wake up in the middle, I mean, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I just explain to you what this is like. I mean, if this has never happened to you, I just had to, so you can at least appreciate it. You know, you go to bed, everything is fine, and you're just like, ah, oh, everything is great in your sleep, and all of a sudden, just, you, you kind of wake up with a sense of like, uh, I can't, I can't feel my arms. And so then you go to do the test. You're like, I'm, I'm going to try to like move my arm just to see if maybe I'm just dreaming. I'm in a twilight. Who knows? I'm just going to. Uh, yep, they're out. <laughs> and this happens to me probably a couple times a year. I probably should get medically checked on this. Some of you guys are doctors probably know. And so I just sit there. And I'm like, what am I going to do? It's like, and it's my, it's not like, I just, all right. Give myself a little pep talk. I just, I can, my legs work. All right, right here we go. One. Two, three. Oh. All right. I'm almost there. I can do this. Uh. Uh. And then eventually you just throw your legs into it, and I get myself standing up, and I see my wife sitting there sleeping, and she looks beautiful, and I kind of want to wake her up because I'm terrified. I can't feel my arms. So I just start doing this. And they just, they just flop. And my hands are cold, and eventually I just start feeling the tingling coming back to my arms, and the strength starts coming back. But there's a moment when I feel like my arms won't move, and I feel stuck, and I feel paralyzed. I'm like, am I ever, am I out of breath from laying down? This is a problem. <laughs> but I, I, I start shaking myself, and I'm like, will life ever come back to me? And I start shaking, like, God, please, don't let this be the end. I have so many more things I want to do with my hands. And they start coming back, and I get strength coming. And it feels awkward, and the shaking and the effort feels like a little bit difficult. But then once it finally comes back, I'm like, yes, there I am again. I feel whole again. I feel good again. And then I go back to sleep. 
For us as a church, I think that's where a lot of us are at. I kind of feel like that's in some ways where we're at as a church. I mean, we, we are here, we're functioning. A lot of us, a lot of our, our bodies working okay, but there's just parts of us that have just gone dormant. And we wonder, is it ever going to come back alive again? And this is a chance for us as a church, as a series. You're invited to be a part of just sort of just shaking the dust off. This looks awkward. I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say yes to what God asked for me, no matter how weird, how awkward, no matter how hard that push first seems to be. And trust that on the other side of it, there is good things. So like, we're going to continue in that journey together. And we've been looking back at the early church, the start of the church as our roadmap for growing with Jesus and, and growing together as God, as, as to have vitality come with us. And my hope is that as we see these things, that you would love getting out of bed out in the morning, that you would, you would feel more clear focus of what you're here to be a, and what you're a part of as a Moraine Valley Church, that you see new possibilities instead of old limitations, and that you would enjoy God being God and you being you as a result. And so we're going back to that place when everything felt new and everything felt fresh and everything seemingly was unstoppable, going against all odds, growing at an incredible pace in Acts chapter 2. You can pick up with us today if you want to go back there again with us at Acts chapter 2. Uh, we'll be there for a few moments, but we're going to be jumping around a lot today. So don't feel like you need to keep up. They'll be on the screens because Pete is an amazing guy back there doing all his amazing Pete things. Um, but today I want to look at how the church intentionally grew together. One of the things that brought vitality to the church was their commitment to growth and how they grew with one another. Let's read this together. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They devoted, it was, it was a steadfast engagement with teachings to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at all the wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need and every day, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the kind of church I want us to be. That's the kind of people I want us to be together. But it happens when we all say yes to this collectively. Look at back in the text in verse 32. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone say They. 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 All right, this was a collective thing. This wasn't just one person. This wasn't just left for the head of the household or maybe one person came to church, but this was the whole family. This was everyone coming together saying, we are devoting ourselves to this. It also means like a steadfast commitment to it, meaning like I've got my eyes set on the teaching. I'm going to learn it, and I'm committed to doing what this says. When's the last time you have came to church with that mindset and that expectation to say, Jesus, I'm going to hear from your word, and I'm going to make a commitment to whatever I hear and whatever your spirit puts on my spirit, that I'm going to say yes to it, and I'm going to be devoted steadfastly until I see it bear fruit in my life. It's a mindset that we have when we come together as a church. Um, <clears throat> This was an occasional part of their time together. Um, verse 46 picks up back and says, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. Um, this is something that they did all together at once. As Pat mentioned a while ago, the apostles' teachings probably had to do um, with uh, the gospels and the life message of Jesus. And there was a shared commitment to look at who Jesus was and live like who he was. And all and everyone are mentioned seven times in just six short verses. Church, I think there's power in collective commitment. We are not just individuals coming to get something and then go home back to our context. We are a part of something and we're called to grow together. We do this as a group. Very simply put, your growth is not just for you. Your advancement and your improvement in your life, the things that you get better at, are not just meant for you. It's meant for other people. 
Your growth in this church matters. And the truth is, is when you get better, we all get better. And, and here's the payoff. When we grow together, when we create a culture together as a church, um, something vibrant, exciting, and revitalizing happens to other people. Have you ever been around someone that's just super enthusiastic about something you cared nothing about? And then after that conversation, you're like, I think I like that too. I didn't know I liked that before, but I, I guess I really like you know, the, the, the woodland calls of the, the eastern owl. I mean, I don't know, whatever it is, someone's passionate about some random thing, and you're like, I had no idea that was so interesting. But because of their passion, they kind of spilled onto your passion. What would it look like if we were so passionate about our growth with Jesus and so passionate about the things that he was showing us and teaching us that when we're out in the atrium, you're like, you know, I think I want to do that too with my life. You know, I think there's a new possibility for me in my walk with God. You know, I think I could be more forgiving in this way. You know, God, what would happen if that enthusiasm bled out into all the things that we, we did? The reality is inspired people inspire people. And when we're inspired by who Jesus is and by getting together and devoting ourselves to what Jesus has taught us to do, we inspire others. But it starts with our inspiration. So you growing in Jesus is not only going to benefit you, but it's going to revitalize this church. To quote a well-known verse in Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We know this, right? And we've received the benefits of it. But in, in the context of this revitalization that we're asking God to do, we recommit ourselves to this truth and say, it's true. Iron sharpens iron. I'm gonna be up and around and rub shoulders with other people so it sharpens me and it sharpens others. Because truth is, is when you get better, we all get better. When you get better, we all get better. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news. When it comes to making goals and getting better, a lot of us, a lot of us want to grow. I want to grow. I, I don't think there's anyone that came here this morning that, that wouldn't be the case for. I mean, you wouldn't have gotten out of church, out of bed on a Sunday morning when you had time off. You wouldn't have made time in your schedules to be here or join us online if your growth didn't matter. So I believe we're here because we said, yes, Jesus, I want to grow. I want to be better. Yeah, this, this is it. Um, but if you're like me and like most people when it comes to goals and commitments, sometimes they just don't seem to last. Did anyone make a New Year's resolution this year? Any New Year's resolution people? Have anyone ever just given up on making New Year's resolutions? Anyone else? This may be a better question. I kind of stopped. Why did I stop? Because I just never stuck with them. I'm like, what's going to be your New Year's resolution? I'm like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And then I think about it, and I, I add something to my list, and then I don't, I don't stick with it. Um, if, if you didn't keep your New Year's resolution, you're in good company. 92%, they say, give up and abandon their New Year's resolution by Valentine's Day. Wow, that's really short. Maybe Valentine's Day. I don't know what the correlation was with Valentine's Day and your goals. You're like, that's fine, I'm done, I'm out. Who knows what it is? I can't win whatever we walk away from our goals uh, by Valentine's Day. Um, so when it comes to growing and improving our, our lives, I think a lot of times we kind of feel stuck like we're on a treadmill. And I forgot to turn this on a second ago. And then here we go. So thanks, Teddy Findus, for this, by the way. It's like, who has a treadmill? Teddy Findus is like, I have a treadmill. Here we go. This is what I wanted to get going there. Oh, there we go. This is a very unepic start to my treadmill illustration. But I think what happens for a lot of us is we can get on the treadmill of our goals and we say, you know, I know where I want to go and I want to put effort towards it and I put myself into the goal and every time I'm like trying, I just feel stuck. And as soon as I make a little bit of progress and I sit in my progress, I feel this tug and this pull back to the, the back of where I was going to go. And I'm like, finally, I'm here. Uh, nope. I'm like, I'm going to get back on the treadmill. I'm going to try again. I'm going to make new goals. I'm going to make myself and move forward. Uh, I feel like I'm progressing in life. Look at how great things... Wait a minute. Uh, 
Can anyone relate to this with your goal setting and your growth, especially when it comes to Jesus? We get on the treadmill and we start walking. We're like, I'm going to say yes to you, God. I'm going to grow with you. I heard a message. I feel challenged. We make some goals and we make a few steps and we look around and we're just where we started, just where we left off. Maybe you could find yourself relating to the Apostle Paul when he writes this. I don't understand myself he says in Romans 7.15, he's talking about the work of sin in our lives and how it's hard to do what God's called us to do. He says, I don't understand myself. For the good I want to do, I don't do. But the evil I don't want to do, I do. And when Paul's talking, when it comes to growth, Paul is taking, talking about some of the biggest barriers we have to our growth, which is the sin that is at work in us. And a few later, verses later, Paul writes this. He says, what a miserable person I am. Who can save me from this life dominated by sin and death. And I think we've all felt where Paul's felt. I mean, it's scripture, so it's true. We're like, I just, I've tried and I can't. What's wrong with me? God, I can't do this. I feel stuck. I know where I want to go. I know who you're calling me to be. I know I've been trying to improve this in my life. And I just feel like I want to obey, but it's just getting from nowhere to nowhere. And I am miserable trying. But then Paul shifts his focus and he says this, uh, where, where he where he is stuck and he looks to the source, the only one who can make a difference, and he says this, but thanks be to God. The answer is Christ Jesus, our Lord. When he is stuck, when he can't go anywhere, when sin has got the best of him, he looks at him and says, but thanks be to God. The answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you have already put your trust in Jesus this morning, that means that God has already removed the biggest barrier and the biggest hurdle you growing into the person that God has called you to be by removing sin from your life. Today, you start off a lot better than you thought you were. Jesus Christ is our hope, our only hope. Christ is our strength. Christ is our starting point. Christ is the one who makes things new in our lives. Jesus is the one who provides us with a path forward. And Jesus has already made a way through his life, death, and resurrection to get us here. His life cost way too much, and his resurrection was way too powerful for us to settle with stuck lives. So this morning, we can get off the treadmill. My hope is that we can go from being off the treadmill and find some traction. And when it comes to growing this morning, it's about discovering and experiencing more of the life that Jesus has for you. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. A full life, a zoe, an eternal quality of life that's, that's eternal and good and fulfilling, a life to the full. And our growth, our walk with Jesus, are saying yes to the things that he's put us on this life for and this side of eternity for is our means by which we start to experience that. So a lot's at stake. A lot of joy is at stake. A lot of opportunity is at stake. And a lot of revitalization is at stake when we say yes to growth. So for our time together this morning, I want to look, um, I want to be asking God that God will get us off the treadmill and help us find traction in the places that you're growing. I know some of you are frustrated. I know some of you have felt like this is just isn't working anymore. I know some of you have, have even in your own life or in your faith or in dealing with depression or dealing with family issues or other things that have come up. You say, I just, I don't know, if I'm kind of done trying. I just, this is just how it's going to be. This is my life. And I, and I feel stuck in it. And there's no joy. There's no excitement in that. But what if God would revitalize us and we say yes to growing in those things? Um, and so when it comes to making some of those goals stick, some of that growth that Jesus has put in front of you to say yes to you. Because all of us have it. If we're, if, we're not, if we're not dead, then he's not done. That means there's things for us in front of us. What can we do to make those things stick? What are the next steps that we can take? And there's four phrases, I think, that can help us get us there. These are them. It is who before do, how before what, here before there, 
and we before me. Can we say this together just because it helps get it in our brains and locked in? So they say, who before do, how before what, here before there, and we before me. I know you're probably like me and I just don't like saying things out loud, but something happens when we do it. So let's just do it one more time. Say, who before do, how before what, here before there, and we before me. Let's start with who before do. If you're setting your goals this morning on who it is, uh, uh, who before you do, if you're setting your goals without knowing who it is you're called to be like, uh, you're just going to be stuck with another to-do list. And this is where religion sometimes comes in and becomes really difficult and sometimes toxic in our lives. It just becomes like a religious piety. I've just got to do this more. I've just got a list. I've just got to check off every box. And if I check off the boxes, then it's fine. But if you don't understand who it is you're being called to be like, then you're going to miss the point. If you don't understand who it is you're being called to walk with, then you're going to miss the intimacy and the relationship that God has for you. If you don't understand who um, you are in Christ, then you're going to miss your starting point. <clears throat> this is why uh, in 2 Corinthians, um, it says this in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul's talking about the great work that Jesus has for us and, and the divide that's been closed by Jesus and his work at the cross and his resurrection that we have access to God, and as we ponder on him, as we reflect on God, as we think about the good news of Jesus, something happens in us, and we're being transformed. But not just being changed to be a better person. This is the part that's so mind-blowing about the gospel. The gospel doesn't say Jesus did the most ultimate thing, and then he is just gonna let you be sort of a so, oh, oh, so, so okay thing. God isn't like saying, I am just this incredible life source and all these great things are gonna happen and you can just sort of be meh over here, maybe just incrementally improving. Paul shows us here that, that we are being transformed into whose image? His image, the image of Jesus. So when you've said yes to following Jesus, your path, the road that you're on in your life is to become more like Jesus. Are you becoming more like Jesus? And there's always more things we could be doing to become more like him. This is why the writers of the New Testament so quickly point us back to Jesus as our example for growth, starting with the right who to get the right do. Um, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith in Hebrews 12, 12, two. In your relationships with another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, Paul says in Philippians 2, 5. Be holy, because the one who calls you is holy, 1 Peter 1, 16. It's all throughout the New Testament. Jesus is our example. He's the one who's calling us to be like him. And when we stop and we reflect on the right who, it gives us clarity in the right kind of do's. Sometimes we're stuck in the treadmill going back and forth because we have the wrong who. The other part of that who I think is equally as important. You need to know who you are. And because sometimes we don't know who you are in the process, you're just gonna get discouraged with the list of to-dos and you're gonna beat yourself up. You know, I, I, there's been so many times in my life, and I just recently had a conversation with my wife where some things were going on, and I was trying to work on some things, and I just couldn't seem to fix it. Like, I'm ADD, I'm forgetful. There's certain things I just can't seem to get right in my life. And there's certain, and so we had this conversation, and I was just so beat down by the list of to-dos that I was just overwhelmed, and I just wanted to give up and throw in the towel. I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just don't want to try anymore. I just don't, and all this stuff was because I felt like somehow I was bad. I was deficient. I was forgetting who I was. But this morning, I want to remind you who you are. You, hear this, you are a child of God. 
as Josh shared earlier, your name is written in the book of life. In church, if you've heard this a hundred times and it's not making you excited, then we need to go back and say, Jesus, would you make this new in me again? You are a child of God. Your name is written in the book of life. You are chosen. You are set apart. You are part of a royal priesthood. Your name, you are a new creation. That means the old is gone and the new has come. You are saved by grace and not by what you did. You are God's masterpiece created to do good works with God has set out for you to do and advance to do. God has put all those things on you and that's your starting point right now. So often we start with our, our stuff. We can say, I want to do this, but we're just beat down because like, I just, God, I'm just not good enough. I can't get to that because I'm all these things back here. But the starting point that the gospel reminds us of is that it's not about getting to do those things to change who we are. It's because we're changed here that we get to express who we are. Does that make sense? So we, we start from this place and we get to this place by understanding who we are. This morning, church, if you need to remind yourself, this is who I am. My starting place isn't to get to a place of being approved by God. I'm already there. My place isn't to get to a place where I'm doing better before the kingdom of God. I, I know who I am. My place isn't getting to a place of chosen. I'm starting from chosen. And I'm going to start living like my life is chosen. I'm going to start from the fact that my life has been made new. I'm going to stop trying to make myself new. I'm going to start living like I am new. There's a big change that happens with us when we start with the right do. The truth is this. Is there is no joy in the do's until you start with the right who's. All you're going to have is a list. And it's going to beat you down and brag you down and tear you down. But when you start with who you are in Christ, your to-do list becomes an expression of who you were meant to be. The verse that's been praying over us this morning a lot as I think about this point is Psalm 51, verse 12. Um, David is writing and he's, he's struggling. God, I'm not where I wanted to be. I screwed up big time. I had all this stuff in my life and I was going somewhere and I blew it and I willingly blew it. Like I didn't just like accidentally find myself in trouble. Like I willingly participated with sin and this is a result of my life. And I just, I need to get back to you, God. And so it's a big prayer of repentance. And he says this in Psalm 51, 12. He says, restore unto me, God, the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. If you feel like you've been on the treadmill and you're not getting to the right dues because you aren't sitting with the who's, maybe this morning you need to say, God, you know what? Would you restore unto me the joy of your salvation? When I look at the early church and the unstoppable force that it had with one another, I think it's because they were just getting in touch with that joy of their salvation for the first time. Some of you in this room can remember that moment when Jesus started to click for you. I remember for me, it was, in, it was a little bit in high school and then it really started to click in college. And I just remember like opening the Bible, like I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And like the, the things I was working on in my life, I was, I was trying to work on, not because I, I was doing it out of, out of obligation. I wanted to be more like Jesus because I understood that I was saved and I had a different purpose but the longer I go in my faith and the longer I start to add things on, the more I just sort of weave it into who I am, I miss out on some of those things and it just becomes do's without the right who's. And maybe that's you this morning and maybe you can join David in his prayer and say, would you restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit? God, would you, would you make my spirit willing to say yes to the things that you want me to grow into? Would you uphold me with that? Restore me to the joy of being saved. <clears throat> I think the other thing, too, is we can, we can easily make excuses if we start with the wrong who. God, you know what? I'm never going to be there because I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never, I, there's just no way I can get myself to the other side of this because, you know what, I've, I've always been this way in my life. 
I'm always gonna struggle with this. You know, actually, I hear this a lot sometimes when I talk to some of our older, older members and people my age. It's like we've lived long enough to kind of feel like we know who we are, we know what we're good at, we know what we're bad at, but then we start to, start to put ourselves in boxes of what we can and what we can't do. But like, you know what, I'm, just, I'm always gonna struggle with that. I'm always gonna be angry. That's always gonna be an issue for me. That's always gonna be something I can't overcome. That's always gonna be something I can never do. That's always gonna be something that's gonna get in the way of my family. You know what, that's just something, I'm always gonna be escaping things. I'm always gonna struggle with anxiety. And they become labels and identifiers that keep us from saying yes to the things that God wants us to do because we're living and operating out of the wrong who. If that's you this morning, we have got to stop saying no to the things that God has said yes to. We've got to stop saying no to the things that God has said I've already taken care of that for you. And I hope that's for someone in this room this morning. Because the truth is, I know that those things aren't true because that's not the gospel. And if you're saying something to yourself that doesn't line up with the gospel, then you've got to start saying different things to yourself. The next phrase I want us to look at is, how before what? How before what? I think another, another step to our growth is understanding if we can start with the right hows before we get to the what's. When it comes to growing, a lot of our goals, I think, look the same. I think a lot of us have goals where we want to be healthier, we want to be more generous, I want to have more passion in life in our marriage, I want to be more present with my children. Um, I know that a lot of those goals are there. We, like, I, things like, I, I hope I can um, you know, lose weight or be healthier, be whatever. Whatever those things that are that you set for your goals, a lot of them look the same. I don't think any of us create goals that go in the opposite direction. Man, I really hope I put on 20 this year. I'm going to chunk out. It's going to be amazing. Whew. You know, I really, hope I, I really hope I get stuck in a new addiction. I really hope that today I can get some more debt and credit card. My debt was good, but I'm going like, to take it to next level. Like, this is going to be awesome. I really hope I can like, go off the charts with that interest rate that's just going to bury me forever. None of us wake up with goals that want to take us in the wrong direction. A lot of us wake up saying we want to set good goals. But when setting goals... We could be tempted to look at the what's, which is the results. We can look at the results without understanding the hows and what it's going to take to get us there. Um, we get inspired by the after pictures that we see on videos. I can remember late nights with P90X. Anyone remember those commercials? P90X, and these guys are doing extreme workouts, and these guys are like totally jacked. In 90 days, you're going to look like this guy. Boom! And they're like so big. and like, whoa, I want to be like that guy. And I actually remember getting sucked into one of those videos. It wasn't P90X, but it was a similar thing. And I, like, I bought it. I bought like, the whole like, like workout regimen. I got all the vitamins. I got like, the, like, the, the strong armbands. I'm like, this will make me strong. I will look very good and strong with this stuff. I will not be a puny man with this anymore. I'm going to be awesome. My wife will love me. Check my biceps. And I spent all this money on things that I didn't take, supplements I didn't take, and I just threw it away. And anyone ever done it before? Like, it's, the P90X, and I know how bad it's gotten for me, honestly, because when I look at the before pictures, I'm like, that guy looks pretty good. What, what, is, he, what is he doing? Maybe, maybe I can like jump onto his train and his plan and maybe just kind of stop right there. We, but the, the truth is, is that if we... Um, we can have clearly defined goals, but it's not going to be a guarantee that you succeed. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, says this. You don't rise to the level of your goals. Rather, you fall to the level of your systems. People fall to the rather of their systems, the level of their systems. We can, we can have great goals. We can have great aspirations. We can say yes to all the things that God wants us to do out of this service. I'm going to change my life. But if we aren't honest with the how and the systems that we're living in right now and just focus on the results, we're going to get discouraged because it's not the results that we're after. It's actually changing the system that's going to change the results. 
Craig Rochelle says it this way. He says, you are what you repeatedly do when it comes to habits. In other words, um, who you are now is really the result of the habits and the daily choices that you've been making that have lived your life up until this moment. So here's the thing. The habits you have and the systems you've created may be working against your growth and your goals uh, and, and keeping you from feeling you can achieve the life that God is calling you to do. And you may not say, I don't have goals, I don't have habits, I don't have systems, I'm a free person, I do my thing. You know, and I, that's kind of how I am. I don't like anyone to tell me that I've got like a system. But honestly, we all have systems, even if it's not a good system. Our system might be hitting the snooze button 10, 10 extra times in the morning, rushing late to work, feeling frazzled by our time, but it's a system. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to sound unspiritual in this moment, but for some of us, I think we need to recognize that there is some spiritual significance to our daily habits and our routine that play a part in how we steward the moments that God has given us day by day and living the lives he's calling us to live. Sometimes we have habits of, of putting things off, a habit of giving in, a, a habit of withholding, a habit of, of bad boundaries, a habit of maybe putting things aside, a habit of escaping, a habit of letting worry and anxiety win when we've been called to do other things, a habit of poor time management, a habit of giving in to other people's relational demands in our lives, a habit of being late, a habit of procrastinating. These are habits that we build in our lives that later hinder us to the yeses that we want. So I could say, Jesus, you know, this is a great talk. I love this. I want that. I want to start growing in my life. But if we start with the who, that's awesome. But then the next thing we need to look at is how are we living our lives in relationship to who God is? How are we doing right here? Because if we aren't doing well with the hows, we can keep trying after the what's no matter what we try to do. Our habits are always going to pull us back to where we started. God, I want to go after the what's. I'm going to be more healthy because, you know, healthy is good and I want to be more present with my kids. I want to have more energy. Whatever it is, I get there. But it's just going to pull me back if I haven't developed habits to get me there. But the good news is, because of Jesus, it is possible. Would you read this passage out loud with me? It's, it's 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has given us a spirit to enable us to have the discipline we need to change the habits so that our life could begin reflecting more of who he is. And that's good news. Let's not get overwhelmed by how many habits we have to change. Let's start recognizing that we have a spirit that God can use to give us the self-discipline we need to get there. Um, Craig Rochelle says this also. He says, successful people repeat, do repeatedly what other people just do occasionally. Successful people do repeatedly what other people do occasionally. If we want to be successful in some things with God in our prayer life, in our marriage, whatever, it's those repeated steps that we go there. So when starting with the how instead of what, here's a couple don'ts. Don't underestimate the power of small beginnings. When you're going to start a habit with God, don't underestimate the power of small beginnings. Avoid the temptation of trying big things. Instead, start small U.S. Admiral William McRaven, maybe you've seen this on YouTube, it was a viral motivational speech that went around forever. It was awesome. But he says this, he says, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. That was a real simple way he started his message. He said, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. But his point was simple. It says, one small discipline leads to other disciplines in your life. And by feeling disciplined in one area, it spills over into reminding you you could be a disciplined person in other areas. There are places in your time management, probably for all of us, that's probably the biggest thing. When it comes to connecting with God, is about valuing and making time to be with him. Valuing him and making time to be present with him in moments throughout our day. But we let so many other things dictate our schedule. But if we could be disciplined in small areas, we can create space to connect with him in lots of different ways. Um, 
So if we could just start with a small beginning, it can pour over anything. No one discipline is going to save your marriage. No one discipline is going to make you feel ultimately closer to Jesus. But multiple small disciplines over time can create more space in your life where you're feeling like you're growing and flourishing with him. The next thing is don't do this. Don't focus on quick results. Now we know this. We hear this. But honestly, this is one of the things that gets me the most. I don't see results, and so I say it's not working. Uh, I tried this. I tried dieting, and I, like, Michelle's probably going to laugh when I say this, but, like, I go on, like, my yearly diet, and, I'm gonna, and I go on, like, a juice cleanse and all these other things. Today, this year, it's going to work, and she's known me now for, like, in our marriage of 21 years. She's like, really? This, we've been doing this forever, Mike. Like, can we just get past this and just finally admit that that's not going to work? But I do it for a while, and I'm losing weight, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I start putting weight back on. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm tired of living this way anyway, and I'm putting on weight, and this is it. So we don't see results fast enough. It goes in a direction we don't, and we walk away, and we throw it out the window. Um, we tried praying, but it didn't change our circumstances. I was reading my devotions, but you know what? They just didn't seem to get me any progress, so they just weren't doing it for me. I, I took the high road at work over and over again, and it just didn't give me the results that I wanted to do. But just because we don't see results doesn't right away doesn't mean that God is not benefiting us from it. We said this last week, but you know, just because you don't feel like going to the gym and just because you don't see the results from going to the gym doesn't mean that your body's not receiving benefits from working out. There are certain things that we just need to be disciplined in and have a habit of doing, and from there will produce results. In the same way, it really is true that just because you don't see negative results in your life from the sin or the bad choices that we make doesn't mean that it's not resulting in bad things for us in our lives. It didn't seem too bad after binging some things on the internet that I shouldn't. You know, I'm kind of okay. Life has moved on. It didn't seem to be immediate weight gain after like that extra bag of Cheetos I had. So, you know, it's not too bad. I'll just have an extra coffee this week, whatever. We don't see the results right away, and so we just sort of let things creep in. I didn't see our marriage fall apart when I've been spending too much time gaming and saying yes to more time with my wife. And, you know, it's fine. We're getting through it. But time over time, those things can have a verse effect and, and bring us back to a place of like, how did I get here? I want to go there, but how did I get here? How am I living now? Fix the how before the what. If you fix the how, the what follows. Um, so a question for us is this. Is what is a habit um, that you have that is working against you in your growth with Jesus right now? Maybe it's a procrastination, maybe it's putting off. Or may, and what is something that you can do to replace it with a God-honoring habit? In the spirit of 2 Timothy 1.7, that self-discipline that God has given us, what is one thing that you can replace? What is one small start you can make? And rather than focusing on the whole system and all the results and getting overwhelmed that we'll never get there, let's start with one habit and trust that it's going to start to produce a life of godliness in us. Maybe it's just getting up a little extra early and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for five minutes before I go to work. I'm, I'm going to hit the snooze button three times instead of four. That's going to be the new habit. I'm just going to start there. But now it's three times, and that last snooze, I'm going to replace it with a habit that's going to honor God by just saying, Jesus, this morning is yours. My day is yours. I love you. Maybe that's just the first step. And don't go so big. Just start with the awareness of God in your day and see where it takes you. One small habit can lead into other habits that start to take over our lives in great and powerful ways. The next phrase for us is this. It's here before there. Who before do, how before what, here before there. You guys with me still, by the way? We good? 
Yeah, all right, good, good, good. Okay, I'm gonna make sure. I just realized I've been going, I haven't checked in with you guys. I feel like this one-sided conversation, this is awkward. He's just talking the whole time. Never asked me how I feel, you know? So I just wanna make sure we're good, you know? It's, I wanna be a good conversationalist up here. Uh, but the next phrase in our journey to growth is here before there. Similar to the last point is we could focus on where we wanna go, the there that God is calling us. I just wanna be there, God. I just wanna be when things are good in my family, God. I just wanna be past the season of depression, God. I just wanna be in a place when the pandemic's over, God. I just wanna be think in a place when things are less chaotic at work, God. I just wanna be in a season when the kids are less demanding on me and pulling me in every direction, God. If I can just get there, then things are gonna be good. If I could just get to that place, God, everything's gonna be good. If we focus on the here before we look at the there, before we look at the here, we can miss out on the opportunities that God has for us here. We don't wanna be here, so we focus so hard on where we wanna be, which is there, and we hop onto a path to there that never gets here. That was kinda of confusing. Hopefully you followed me on that. In fact, the more that we focus on there, we can actually become contemptuous about the here. The more that we focus on that, it's like, man, this is really, this is looking terrible compared to that. The more we can start to like sit in our circumstances and gripe and complain and focus on the wrong things and we can start resenting the moment we find ourselves in because we're too busy thinking about where we want to be rather than actually looking at the opportunities of where we actually are. But there's a principle all in God's kingdom found throughout scriptures and it's called obedience. You may have heard of the word and faithfulness. When, when we are faithful to obey what God is calling us to do here, it always leads to there. Or faithful here, it will lead to there. I want a better marriage. Are you being faithful with the opportunities to love your spouse right now? I want to be more generous. Are you being faithful with the opportunities in your time, treasure, and talent right now? I want to be a better, have a better position or a better job, but are you being faithful with the job that you're called to right now as though you're working for Jesus himself? I wanna grow in my walk with Jesus. I wanna be closer to you, God. I, I love all these like, beautiful Instagram posts that talk about how amazing you are, but it's, it's like a false intimacy. It's like I, I see all these great things and they look awesome about who God is, but it's not really with me and Jesus. It's just between me and my phone. Just because you read something spiritual on your phone doesn't mean that you're being spiritual. Just because you gave a like to something that you agree with doesn't mean you're connecting with the creator of the universe. And we could swipe, we could spend a lot of time distracting ourselves with spiritual things and miss out that God is calling us to be faithful just to obey him, just to say yes to him, just to be available to him right here. And when you say yes to him here, it will lead to your there. We see obedience and faithfulness in all the great moments of scripture. I mean, here's just a few. I mean, Joseph was faithful in prison before he was called to be faithful uh, as a ruler. Esther was faithful to pray and fast before she was facing the king with a feast. Uh, David wasn't just great because he won a battle. He was great because he brought a lunch. I mean, David was faithful as a shepherd out in the fields when no one was paying attention to him. And at his dad's request, he brought a lunch to his brothers before he stood up against a giant. Daniel was faithful in prayer three times a day before he was thrown in the lion's den. We could say that's incredible faith, but he was already prepared by his faithfulness in the moment to step into that moment. And our champion, Jesus, Jesus was faithful in his walk with, Jesus, with his father. He knew his father through his obedience. He discovered God's faithfulness and his father's faithfulness from Jesus' obedience to him. And he could trust him even to the point of enduring the cross. Our obedience here prepares us for God's there. And there are moments right now God is calling you to be faithful here that are significant. What is your here that God is calling you to be significant? Man, your life might not be where it wanted to be. 
Our kids may not have turned out the way we hoped they would. There are things that we could say, God, where's all this stuff going? But we're not in charge or in control of any of that stuff, but we are in control of what we can do right here. God, what is it I'm supposed to be saying yes to? In the parable of the talents, um, actually, I love this quote too from Craig Rochelle. Um, he says this, he says that it's what you do in private that leads to the results in public that everybody wants. I thought that was really well said. It's your faithfulness here in those small moments in private that are gonna lead to the results that everyone says, wow, that's incredible. I can't believe that person was able to do that, walk that way, express Jesus that way, have that kind of boldness, have that kind of faith, be that kind of presence, be that kind of dad. It's because of those, those things over here that they were doing and being faithful to that got them to that there. In the parable of talents, Jesus gives us this picture about what it's like in the kingdom of God and that God has given us these talents, these abilities, these resources to invest in the world around us. And he comes back and he has this exchange with them. And I love this line, and this has been a line that's been kind of a, a life verse for me, so to speak, and it's this. It says, you have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Now enter into the joy of your master. When we are faithful here, God brings us more good things and we get to share in our master's joy. When you're faithful here, you're given opportunities to invest and grow in the world around us. That whole parable is really about investing and, and cultivating the kingdom in the places that we are. You have opportunities here at this church. And it's, it's not just some other place, it's not some other community, it's not in some other house, it's not in some other neighborhood, but like right here, right here. And there are relationships right here that we could be faithful with. Rather than looking for other places to do it for us, what is the things that God's asking you to be a part of and say yes to and be faithful right here? And the last step for us is a quick one, which is this. We before me. We before me. Here we are. Last one. We before me. And I think one of the things that we could try to do is that we can have this mentality of like, I'm going to go after me I'm gonna go after me and I'm gonna be a better me. I'm gonna be a better version of myself. I'm gonna try as hard as I can. I'm gonna just get there. I've got these commitments. I've made them in here. And the worst thing we could do today is hear something from the Spirit of God that we say yes to that we tell no one about. The worst thing we could do is like, you know, God, you've challenged me. I wanna say yes to something. This is a habit I wanna change. This is something in my life I wanna build into. This is something I've put down that I wanna pick up again. God, I used to spend time with you in the morning and I kinda miss that. God, I used to be so excited about your word and now I, I don't go back to it hardly at all. Whatever those things are that you feel like you're saying yes to, don't just make it about you, but understand that your growth is about everybody here. And without understanding that we are in this together and that we share and we benefit from each other's growth, you're gonna be on the treadmill stuck by yourself and we miss the power of the community of the people of faith that God's put us into. Part of being a revitalized church means we get revitalized when we share how we're growing with each other. Um, my son uh, has taken up weightlifting um, as a sport, which is something I would never do. I mean, case in point. Um, but he, but he's, he's really, it's really awesome. And like, I love my son. He's incredible. And like, it's, it was just something that he saw, he wanted, he went after it. And like, you know, he just, he just did it. And he, he started finding ways to like discipline himself and grow. And he was becoming really fit. But I've noticed that something has shifted and his fitness has gone into overdrive when he joined a team. And he joined the, the, the weightlifting team at his school at Carl Sandburg High School. And when he joined that team, something clicked for him and he actually started having new goals and things started getting, oh, he has a picture of him right there. Check him out, he's jacked. Look at him, yeah, sorry. Thomas is like cringing right there. All right, you can take it off. I don't want to embarrass him because he's in the room. But the, um, like he, he's jacked and he, he got that way. But one thing that happened is we went to this competition and it was so cool. 
It was so cool. I've never been to a weightlifting. I, was just, I just pictured again, like all these people, like, yeah, I want to be so strong and huge. Check me out. I will lift up these weights and get points. And I will walk away and cheer out my masculinity and amazingness. But there was guys and girls and all these people were there and they were just doing amazing things. And I was like, man, these people are, are incredible. But one thing that surprised me was that all these people were there while they were lifting weights and, and, and achieving their personal best is that a lot of people that day hit new personal records, including my son. They lifted weights they had never lifted before in front of the presence of a bunch of other people. And you might say that part of it's the adrenaline of competing and trying to do your best. But the other part of it was in that environment, like everybody that was going after a personal record, didn't matter what team you were on, didn't matter what school you represented, all you did was you were there to cheer on the person to help them get their, their personal best. And it was so cool to watch my son reach one of his personal records in that moment. I was like, well, he went further before than he ever thought he could possible. And the hosting coach said this at the event, and it really, it really challenged me. He said that everyone here got new records that they couldn't have done on their own. It was the group that was here cheering them on and spurring them on that helped them achieve more than they realized they could do by themselves. When we're with a group of people that are growing, when we're with a group of people that are focused on becoming like Jesus, it spurs us on to go further than we thought we could on our own. When you're just left with yourself to grow with me and yourself in the mirror, we can get really limited to what we think we can do. But when you're around other people that are saying, I know you could be better. Man, I know you screwed up, but you can do better than that. You know what, you fell, but I know you could pick yourself up again. You know what, you are feeling this, but you can do that. You know, you've been struggling in your growth, but God has more for you. You have a hard time memorizing this scripture and applying it to your lives. We could do this together. It's in the we that we really get to where we want to go. And we want to be a revitalized church. We want to grow to be, to be more vulnerable, to take more risks with Jesus, to grow deeper in our walk to inspire to be better parents, to inspire each other to be better spouses, to be better bosses, better employees, um, because we know that the one who's called us is great, and he's, if, if we're not dead, he's not done with us. When you step into the flow where God has you, um, God will take you there. It's just one step of obedience. You know, in a lot of ways, the, the reverse is true, right? So if I, if I were to take there, put this here, Put the here. I can be like, God, I, I just I can't do it. There's so much for me to do. But the amazing truth about God's grace and God's community of faith is that all I have to do is just take that first step. And when I trust that, if I'm going to be faithful here with what God has for me, it doesn't take a lot of effort to lift my foot up. It does take effort. And, and it does take me putting forward, and it takes applying myself, and it takes me trusting the path that God has me on. It means putting my weight on this thing. But once I step into the flow of what God has for me, I can trust that God is going to take me from here to there. And it just took one step. I can do it again. I can just get back over here and say, God, I'm going to say yes to you, and I'm just going to take one step. I'm going to trust you with the results. And you're going to carry me from here to there. Church, there is more for us. If we aren't dead, then God's not done. And the great truth that you have for you is that you, you, can, you can experience more of what he has for you as you say yes to him. So I want to challenge us to devote ourselves to who Jesus is and who he is calling us to be. And let us uproot any system or any habit or any pattern of thought that's getting in the way of that. Let's start being faithful with where we're at rather than wishing where we could be and see where it takes us. And let's talk about it. Let's share it together and see where God takes us. And I believe that we'll see that life 
come back to our veins. We'll find strength back in our arms and we'll find ourselves revitalized in more ways than one. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much that you bring us from here to there. And it's by grace. It's by grace we are saved. It's not by our works. So Lord, would you help us to take that first step this morning? Lord, for the people in this room right now that are just feeling stuck under the weight of just a list of to-dos, would you bring them back to that place where they know who they are? They're redeemed, rescued, set apart, a child of God, bearing the righteousness of you with God because you made that possible. God, for some of us that are just feeling stuck, would you help us to replace one habit, one step with something that's life-giving and God-honoring in our lives so that we can start to see you take root in the patterns and the patterns of our lives. And Jesus, we confess. We confess it is so easy to complain. And we, myself included, I just get caught up in complaining that I'm not there. When I haven't really stopped and asked you genuinely, honestly, God, what is it you're calling me to be faithful to here? God, I want to be there, but... Honestly, I don't like being here, and so I just disengage. So God, I pray for us that are just feeling that, that we would, we would shift our focus and find new opportunities right where we're at, right in the midst of, of hard times and difficult times in our marriage or our family or difficult things that didn't go our way or, or just feeling just whatever it is. Would you break us out of those things, God, and help us to be faithful with the opportunity right here? And Jesus, would you help us to get out of our shell to let aside our shame, let aside our pride, and say, hey, this is where I need to grow. Would you help me? Will we go from me to we? Will we do this together, God? We have a lot of work to grow in this, God. It's so easy to sit in chairs, watch things online, and feel completely disconnected to other people here. But we have a responsibility to express Jesus to the surrounding community by how we live and grow together. So would you help us to be like that church of Acts, Jesus? Would you help us to grow? In Jesus' name, amen.